Hallelujah. Well, I'm Pastor John. As Pastor Brian mentioned, I'm happy to be able to minister. We're doing Simply Christmas. Glory. Five shopping days left. Unless you're like me, there's six. Actually, I'm not a procrastinator this year. Uh, I used to be a huge procrastinator, and as I grew older, I, I've learned to, to try to put that away. It's a discipline, and don't always get it right. But uh, anyway, Merry Christmas. Uh, Pastor Brian has talked about in Simply Christmas how this season has a lot of complications to it. It doesn't really matter, uh, you know, who you are. And maybe for you it's not. Maybe it's just you and, and you're alone and um, Christmas is going to be really simple in that regard. Uh, but a lot of times for families, I have three children who are all grown now. Now I have a grandchild. Man, when you have a grandchild, Christmas already took on a whole other meaning. I'm back to being the Scrooge. No, my, <laughs> my wife's going to shout amen a lot of times when I talk about this. For me, Christmas, I don't know why. Just forgive me. You just go ahead and show me mercy and grace already. I'm a little bit Scrooge's. Like, you know, presents. And, and, I just, and my wife has to remind me all the time. She has to look at me and say, don't be a Scrooge. You know, it's okay. Here, Pastor Brian asked me Monday, are you going to use the, are you going to use the, uh, what's that thing called again? Gingerbread house? I emailed it back right away. No. I don't like gingerbread houses. If I'm going to use a gingerbread house, there's going to be a hammer involved. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, I'm just, and for those of you who love those, I think that's so cool for you. You be you. Hallelujah. I don't know if we ever made those. We, we, we didn't. Did. We didn't. No, I guess they've been made in my house. Hallelujah. I do not remember those. Hallelujah. Anyway, I, I, part of the reason I'm a little bit screwed just is I, I've, even when I was a kid, like, I remember I got, I wanted a gun set. That's all I wrote down on my list to Santa. I want a gun set, and I got a train set. From that moment, it was an awesome train. It had, like, the smoke, the real thing. I could still smell it. It's, woo-hoo. And I'm like, this ain't a gun set, right? Anyway, sorry. Sorry if I wanted six gun shooters. Hallelujah. I got lots of guns now. No worries. Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway. I, I try not to because really, I, I, I really love what Christmas is about, and that's what we're doing. We can't fix all the craziness, who's buying who for what, say, secret, you know, they do this, get that, who's going where. This year, a whole other level of who can't do what, where, why, when, with who. We can't fix any of that. That's not who, what we're here for, hallelujah. But what we can do some things, we can give you some truth from God's word that will bring home what Christmas is supposed to be. That's what we can do. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you... Amen. Hallelujah. So Pastor Brian uh, has done a couple weeks of Simply Christmas, and uh, he started out with the story of the coming Redeemer was, was announced as good news to who? Good news to who? Good news to the Jewish people. Right? No. This, this message of Jesus Christ, when it was boldly proclaimed, was coming to be good news, everybody say good news, to all people. And, and I like, I don't remember exactly how Pastor Brian says it, but I, I love the thought of it. If, if the story of Jesus Christ doesn't bring joy to you, you may have heard it wrong, forgive us, those of us who've taught it or said it, you may have just misunderstood it. The story of Jesus Christ, as proclaimed by the angels, was meant to bring great joy and good news to everyone who hears it. And that's what we want for Simply Christmas. We want to try to bring a little bit of that truth to you so that you can experience that if you have not. Um, and then he talked about the exchange that takes place in Christ Jesus 
this baby comes, and then there's an exchange. And really, this is, this is the core of the gospel. Um, there's an exchange that takes place in the kingdom of heaven where I give something and I get something. And I was thinking about this this week and meditating upon it. That's how God works with us. There's always an exchange. We give something, he gives something. He gives something, we give something, okay? Go back into the beginning of time and you can see through all the covenants that God made with men. Now, what is it we got to give? I don't got nothing to give. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking of uh, the little drummer boy. A lot of people don't like that song. Uh, here's a good, okay, since I'm such a Scrooge, I'll give you a good memory of Christmas. How's that? The little drummer boy had nothing to bring, right? So he brought a, I, he could play, right? Now, I know people who say, that's not a very Christmassy song. I love that song because me and my brother and my sister stood at a piano many, many times, even in front of churches, and sang the little drummer boy. So there's a good, see, I'm not all Scrooge, the little drummer boy. But there was, there's an exchange. Well, what do I have to give? You give your trust. Your believing and your faith. That's what you give. When you give that to Jesus Christ, and I mean truly put your life's trust in him, your faith in him, your believing in him, when you do that, you get eternal life. That's a good deal. Wait, that's good news of great joy to all people. It's available to all people. So there's this exchange that takes place in Christ that Pastor Brian talked about. Then he talked last week about how the world was waiting for a miracle. I really love this. The world was waiting for a miracle, and God gave them a revelation. Oh, I love that. God gave something. Now, it wasn't what they expected, maybe. It wasn't how they expected it, probably. Matter of fact, it wasn't, to be real. It just wasn't, because they wanted a miracle, and God gave a revelation. A revelation. Uh, I saw a movie this week, even after I'd prepared my message for this week, and heard Pastor Brian's, of course. Um, it's a short little story. Uh, it's about 20 minutes long. It's called The Shepherd. Uh, boy, I'm going to try to watch that on Christmas Eve. I don't know how it goes because uh, sometimes, you know, you got these, I'm going to play this. And, yeah, right. You ever watch online church at home? Remember in the beginning? You know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, this is good praise and worship. Somebody's eating Captain Crunch. <laughs> you ruined the experience for me. Well, I'm going to try to watch this. This is a great story of the shepherds who were there in the field, as Pastor Brian talked about, and angels showed up. And we over-churchify that. We religify that. These were shepherds in a field, and they knew some things about a coming Messiah. But the angels showed up, and the light shone. Now, if that was you, you just got to put yourself there. What is going to happen now? And, of course, Angel 101. You all remember Angel 101, right? What do they teach them in angel class right out of the gate? You better say, don't be afraid, because they're going to be afraid. So anyway, there wasn't a class. I'm just being facetious, okay? Give me a little liberty there. The world was waiting for a miracle, and God gave them a revelation. Well, today I'm going to talk to you about Simply Christmas, the gift of Jesus, wrapped and unwrapped. Wrapped and unwrapped. How many of you like gifts? How many of you know that's what Christmas is really about? Actually, here, proof I'm not a procrastinator. See those two gifts over there in this gift? These are actually my wife's presents. Yeah, you know why he, you know why I put them here though? Because she's a peeker. <laughs> I'm a Scrooge. She's a peeker. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, <laughs> I will hide these after church, honey. <laughs> Glory to God. But but I want to talk to you about the gift of Jesus Christ, wrapped and unwrapped. Before I start, I want to tell you this word. Some of you, you're. I, I've seen during the last six months. People's hunger for the word of God grow to levels I have not seen in the past. 
That's not going to stop. That's only going to continue. You might be, I was that way once, man. I was hiding my Bible. I was bringing it in my deer stand. I was reading my Bible every chance I got. I didn't always want other people to know I was doing it, but I was doing it. Because the Holy Spirit had drawn me to this word. Folks, God is drawing people right now of the earth to his word. He, he's doing it. Not me, not you. The Holy Spirit is. And, and this word, I got to say this as I get started and talk about the gift wrapped and then the gift unwrapped. This, this is one gospel, one story. It's not, it's not two stories with the divider in between. It's one story of the gospel of Christ and mankind divided into two different agreements. Uh, they call them testaments. That's the word they use. It's two different agreements. There's the old covenant, the old agreement, and then there's the new covenant, the new agreement. That, but it's one word from God. One word, you need to understand that. And if you're new to the Bible and this is new to you, I always say, this, you can start anywhere the Holy Spirit wants you to start. You can start wherever your devotional you found will take you. I like the book of John, the gospel of John, because it's relational. Every, every person who wrote a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, had a relationship with Christ and they wrote it from their perspective by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, John, John called himself Jesus' friend, like he liked me the best kind of guy. You know, maybe that's why I like John, right? I don't know. He, he wrote that. He didn't, that's not a joke. He wrote the disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> he didn't even use his name. He was writing it. He said, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I bet you the other disciples read that and went, huh, just like John. <laughs> anyway, start there. But this is one story, not two stories. So, but the old, the old Testament is powerful. As a matter of fact, when I talk about the gift raft of Jesus Christ, it actually started in Genesis. Genesis is the first book of the Old Covenant. And in Genesis, we see the story of, of course, the fall of mankind. God created mankind. God created the earth. And he put them in there to have fellowship with them. And then the fall happened. And we know that story, most of us. Go read it. It's in Genesis chapters, I think, three is where it unfolds. But in that chapter, we see Christ wrapped up. Already, in Genesis 3 and verse 15 in the message, it says this. God said this to the devil that day. He said, I'm declaring war between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will wound your head and you will wound his heel. Now that's odd. That's odd when man falls that God shows up on the scene and starts talking and he says something to all of them, but he says to the devil, oh, you started something today, buddy. That's my translation. And I'm going to finish it. Because one day, there's one coming, and you're going to do something to him. And in doing so, he's going to bust your head wide open. It's over for you. Now, that was wrapped. He's still wrapped. Nobody knew what that meant. And the, and the thing about a wrapped present is you can maybe see parts of it. My wife's already dreaming what that is. It's not a cruise. We know those things, right? But, but it's a wrapped gift. And they don't understand it. Here's the thing. Old Testament prophecies are not clearly understood when they're given. It is not always very plain to those who first hear it. The prediction is then explained on and further explained by other prophecies. Sometimes hundreds of years later, as time moved on until the day of the unwrapping. See, we serve the God of eternity. We serve the God of eternity, and we don't grasp eternity. Although there's eternity in our hearts, God says, we serve the God of eternity, and he sees the beginning and the end. He is alpha, he is omega. But when he gave words, even in the Old Testament, now I put Old Testament, but it's still true today. He still speaks through the prophets, but when the prophets speak, the Bible says, they prophesy in part, they know in part. 
God gives them a little tiny piece of the puzzle. So when, when, when the wrapped gift, even in Genesis 3, was spoken. Now, I got news for you. When it was spoken by Almighty God, I'm telling you right now, nothing could stop it. Nothing could stop it. His word does not return void. He is not a man that he could lie. When he said, there's one coming one day who's going to undo what you just did, it was over. Now, it was still wrapped. They, they didn't, what do you mean it was over? It didn't feel like it was over for them. The best illustration that I could give you about how God works through the ages is a little picture of Abraham. Abraham was, was a man, and God said, Abraham, I've chosen you. I want you to leave everything you know. I want you to go to a place you've not been that I'm giving to you. So God chose Abraham. Now, how many of you know it took faith to go, I'm just going to leave everything behind that I know to go to what God has for me? Well, that's what Abraham had to do. But God continued to speak because Abraham was promised a son. Actually, he said, you'll be the father of many nations, but he was promised specifically a son. Now, if you don't know the story, go read it. Abraham thinks God's late, so he tries to take care of God's business for God. And he has a baby on his own. But God says that's not the one, because God said, I chose you, Abraham, but now later on he says, I choose you, Isaac. Isaac is the son who the promise was going to come through, right? Isaac was the one. And then even beyond that, he said in Isaac, I'm going to create 12 tribes. They were the 12 tribes of Israel, okay? So there was Abraham, but then God said, no, 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 a little bit further. I choose Isaac, and then from Isaac, I'm going to make 12 And then even from those 12 tribes, I'm going to choose one specific tribe. That's the tribe of Judah. He says there's something separate, set apart, special about this tribe. I want you to see that because this wasn't all happening in a week. This wasn't all happening in months. This was happening over years. God's plan that was started, the wrapped gift of Christ, was being predicted from the ages all the way through. So from the lion of the tribe of Judah, he says there's going to come one, and his name will be called... David. He said, I'm going to, now, if you don't know the story of David, even the story of David unto itself is complicated because the prophet shows up, Samuel shows up to anoint the new king, right? From who's the dad's name? Jesse, right? He goes to Jesse's house. He says, the king lives in your house. The the new king lives in your house. And he brings out all his sons and, and none of them are, none of them are it. And the, 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 the priest knows. He's like, this, is, this isn't it. He goes, do you got another one? They go, oh, we got another one. But you can't be talking about him. He's out with the sheep. Go get him, the prophet to the priest says. And there he comes, and he goes, that's him. That's the one. See, but it started with Abraham. And then it went to Isaac. And then from Isaac, it went to the 12 tribes. And then from Judah, it went to David. Now to David, God said, your kingdom will be established, and it will never go away. Woo! That sounds like good news. If God said to you, I'm going to make you the king of Minnesota. I don't want to be king, by the way. And you, not only you, but everybody who comes after you, no one from your lineage will ever be separated from authority and from power. Never. Remember, God can't lie. So when he said to David in 2 Samuel, on, in your throne, actually, he needed something from David. Remember I talked about the exchange before? Do you know what he needed David to build? Anybody? Interactive online, they're answering. He needed a temple. He needed a place to live. 
God needed a temple. And he said, David, will you build me a temple? And David said, I will. And then it's kind of crazy because God knows everything. So God says, well, actually, you won't. But your son will. And on your throne, your lineage will last forever. Your kingdom, this kingdom will never end. Well, God was not just looking at David. He was looking down to the wrapped gift of his son, Jesus Christ, that was predicted all the way back in Genesis. See, God speaks in, in parts and in pieces. Isaiah chapter 7. Now, I want you to hear this. This is 700 years before the Messiah has come. So, we're, I don't even know if... I, matter of fact, I'm pretty sure we can't grasp 700 years. Because, you know why? Because, look, I do a lot of work around the building, and somebody will go, how old's the building? This building right here. I kid you not, every time I'll go, well, it's got to be seven years. And then maybe eight. And Pastor, somebody will go, Pastor John, that's like 10 years old. 12. See? You know why? Because time, to me, 700 years, these guys were, God was putting in the hearts of these men, these prophets, what was to come 700 years later. But God was still speaking. Why? Because the people needed to hear the promise. Because they were in bondage. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah, if you want to go read Jeremiah, Jeremiah is telling the people, man, you're in some trouble. You're in some trouble because you're living bad. And this isn't going to go well because you've forgotten God, the God who loves you, the God who promised to send somebody to save you. You're not even serving him, and he's going to break this whole game apart. So, you know, we think, oh, they got the prophecy. No, in that he says, but don't worry. Don't worry. I will not forget you. I will never forget you. So it wasn't all good news that the prophets were sharing, but in the end, there was the gift that was coming. And he says in Isaiah chapter 7, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Now, I don't want to get too deep. That was absolutely a prophecy about a woman who had, 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 was a virgin who would give birth to a child who would be the one called Emmanuel. It was also a prophecy to the king at the time that he would be with a woman, not a virgin, a young woman, and she would have a son. Okay? God, it was a dual prophecy. But make no mistake about it. God was using the prophet to speak the words to the people that there's a redeemer and he's coming. He's coming. Don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. Even when you're living with the results of what you've been doing, God's going to bring a redeemer and that redeemer is going to bring freedom. He didn't forget. That was 700 years in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. So we see the prophecy of the virgin who would bring forth the child 700 years before that day in Bethlehem. In Micah 5, 2, he says, but you, Bethlehem, Eph this was funny, you, Bethlehem, and then Ephrathath, Ephrathah. You know what that is? That's like you Foley in Benton County, okay? Don't get, no, he's, no, no. Nothing good comes from Foley. <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding. They said that about Nazareth too, so you Foleyites, you're good, all right? 
But, but he was giving the city. They, the, 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 listen, the prophet Micah was giving the city and the county, if you will, where this was going to take place. Though you are little among thousands of Judah. So see, he's picking a city that's in Judah. And he says, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one, the ruler of Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. This was trippy because the prophet was saying, I'm going to bring someone out of Bethlehem. And he was prophesying it again hundreds of years before it was going to happen. And he was saying, but the one who I'm going to send, he's been coming and going for quite a while. Now, that, that would, they didn't know what that meant. They had no idea what that meant. What do you mean? What does that mean? And I'm sure that there were small groups on what it meant. I'm sure that there was videos produced on what it meant. The comings and the goings. See, here's the thing. You can question a lot of things. Don't question the promise. Oh, you can question. I question a lot of things. I do not question the promise. Because if God said it, it's going to take place. But, but, but I'll give you a little hint what the comings and goings meant. Do you know that in, in Genesis when the world was created, Jesus Christ was there? The Son of God was present? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost always have been and always will be? John made it clear. Now we read out of Luke for the Bible's Christmas story because it's really good and it's powerful and it's inspired by the Holy Ghost. John in the gospel made it clear. He said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There is no confusing what that means. Oh, he, he's been around a while, like the prophet said. Now a contemporary of, of Micah was Malachi. Malachi said, behold, I send a messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. This is a prophecy about one who would come before the Messiah that would make the way. This was a prophecy about John the Baptist. So again, hundreds of years before Jesus is born in Bethlehem to a virgin, you see another prophet who's saying, and before he comes, there's going to be a messenger that comes. Oh, it's so good. The Holy Spirit would accomplish what God said. Actually, in Genesis, it says the Holy Spirit hovered, and he waited. You know what he was waiting for? God to speak so that he could do the work. See, when he shows up, on the scene later, the unwrapped gift, he shows up first to a father. Who's, and he says, you're going to have a son, and his name's going to be called John. And he will be full of the Holy Spirit even in his mother's womb. This is the messenger. Now that messenger, we know him now, but they didn't know him then, not when it was prophesied, not when it was wrapped up as a present. See, and then after Malachi, you know what there was? 400 years. So for a 1,000 years, the prophets prophesied about the coming gift, the Messiah, the wrapped up one. They didn't know what it was. They didn't know who it was. They didn't know when it was coming. But for a 1,000 years, they did that. And then there was 400 years of silence. People are hurting. They've been told over and over about a Messiah. Where is he? I wrote it this way. Humanoid, you know who humanoids are? You, you're a humanoid. Humanoid's greatest issue has been and will sometimes continue to be surrounding recognition and timing of God. Recognition. 
recognition. See, because when God gives a promise and God speaks, and I'm this way, any, any males in the house, your wife starts telling you something, and before she can even finish, you're telling her how to fix it? Anybody? I'm the only one, Michelle. <laughs> one? Thank you for being honest, brother. See, here's the thing. God speaks, and we think we know how that has to happen and what it should look like and what it's going to be. We don't recognize it often when God shows up because we thought we knew what it was supposed to look like. Recognition of the promise of God. Recognition of your salvation. Maybe your, maybe your deliverance is right here, right now. And all you got to do is put your faith in and grab hold of the promise of God to receive what it is you're wanting and needing. But recognition was always a problem for humanoids. Jesus wept. I got news for you. Jesus, this Jesus we're going to talk about as a baby who came, he wept over Jerusalem the night before his crucifixion. He said, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, if only you could have seen everything you've been wanting, everything you've been believing for was here amongst you for 30 plus years, and you didn't see it. Recognition is all. You know what else has been a problem for us? Timing. Man, and maybe it's just me. Timing. God, you promised. God, you said. God, where is? God, how come? Anybody got questions like that? Amen. I bet you do. The guy who, yeah. Same one, right? Hallelujah. I'm going to give you a little, little picture of what it means when I say we don't have an understanding of we, we, timing. Recognition first and then timing. God, God shows up. Here's the thing. I'll give you a little picture. If I was Moses' mother, you remember Moses? She had to put her baby in a basket. If I was Moses' mother and I had to put my son in a basket and float him down the river, God was late. If, I, if you're a mother and you had to put your child in a basket, forget church, forget religionese, you had to put your baby in a basket and push him away from shore, God was late. It's a cool story. Read your Bible. Bible's cool. Moses gets picked up by the Egyptian household. The, the ones who rule. Moses' mother, by faith, put him out saying, God, you'll take care of him. But I'm pretty sure she was thinking, okay, I hope he's going to be all right. The, the king's house picks up the child in the river, Moses, and they hire Moses' mother to breastfeed Moses. Man, and I thought God was late. If I was building bricks all day for Egyptians, God was late. They're in the desert. It's hot. They're building. They're being beaten by their slave masters. They feel like God is not there. God is late. He's been, all these prophecies have come. They've been foretold for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And yet here they are making bricks in the desert. And they don't get much to eat and they don't get much sleep. And when they complain, you know what they get? Half their stuff taken away. I'm pretty sure they thought God was late. If I was called to lead those people out, by the way, the baby who got taken by the king's palace, that was Moses. He's getting raised up now by the king. Moses knew. He said, I'm the one. I'm supposed to lead him out. But if I can't figure it out, I think God's late, and then maybe I'll try to help out. So Moses tried to help out. You know what Moses did? He murdered a man because he was trying to help out because God was late. That's what he thought. Now he's hiding in a desert because he killed a man. 
And I'm pretty sure he felt like God abandoned him. You know why? You know what? You know what God did? I thought about this, even driving, looking at it. God shows up in a bush on fire. Seriously. Seriously, we're not talking about weeks or minutes here. We're talking about years and years and years. And they had been waiting for the Messiah. Moses thought, okay, I'm the one. But then he kills a guy and then he realizes, I better go hide. So he hides, he's in the desert, he's hiding. And he's thinking, God, it's over. The plan for my life is over. Some of you think the plan for your life is over. It's not over. If you're doing this, it's not over. God's got a plan. God had to show up in a bush. Now, I always say it this way, Pastor Brian, I'm okay if God doesn't show up in a bush that's on fire to talk to me. Because I probably wasn't listening the other times he tried. Now, God's God. If I go home tonight and I pass by a bush and it's on fire, I'll stop and listen. He hadn't abandoned Moses at all. And then that guy, he goes and he leads him out, let my people go, a whole bunch of story, all kinds of frogs, fish, lice, blood, everything, babies dying. Woo, now they're out. And guess what? Guess what? All the people who were their captives gave them their good stuff, their gold and their silver. Said, get out of here, just go, just get. So they're like, woo-hoo-hoo, God's got this thing. All those years of prophecy are coming true. And they're running with the gold and the silver and they're doing good. And all of a sudden they come to a big lake. And all of a sudden the other guy goes, wait a minute, they got our stuff. Yeehaw. Here come the chariots. Now, when you're standing at the shore, you're probably going, God's late. God's not late, folks. I gave you that to show you something. God gave you a promise. That promise was wrapped up in a prophecy. That prophecy happened over thousands, if not hundreds of years. And then one night, unwrapped, everything you heard about the unwrapped gift has come to pass. I'm not saying it's going to come to pass. I'm saying everything that you have heard about the unwrapped, the good news of great joy that was promised to all people has been unwrapped. It's not, it's not an unwrapped promise anymore. The gift came through a woman. The woman had never had sexual intercourse with a human man. His lineage can be traced back to every person mentioned. He was born in an insignificant little town called Bethlehem. The chosen one did bust the head of the enemy. His kingdom is now established, and upon his kingdom there will be no end. This is a kingdom I'm a part of. This is a kingdom God wants you to be a part of. And if you put your faith and your believing in this Christ Jesus, I'm telling you right now, you're a part of that kingdom. Can I tell you something? Some of you just need to get excited about the good news of the unwrapped gift. You know why? The devil knows who you are. It's time for you to recognize who you are in Christ. Oh. You got to understand what he did. The baby unwrapped through his life. I'm going to give you three. There's a lot of reasons he came, but I'm going to give you three reasons the baby came the way he did. Why did he come? Why did he come? Why did he have to do it that way? Well, the first one is one of my favorite stories. He came to do this. He came to tell the good news. Jesus came as a baby. He grew up. Now, there's great stories about him growing up. For those of you who have children, go read them. The time the family took him somewhere, and then I don't know how far. It was like, I think it was the next day or something, and they realized, where's Jesus? I thought you had him. I don't know. I thought you had him. I'm thinking, what kind of parents are these? (laughs) Serious. Read the, the Bible's crazy. Crazy good. Then they go back and they find this kid. He's a kid. He's a little, you know where he's at? He's in the temple. 
He's in the temple with the religious people teaching them. Parents are like, get out, get, you go get him. I'm not going to go get him. You go get him. Why are they listening to him? He's a kid. And then they brought him home. He stayed there for a while, didn't he, Pastor Brian? This is one of my favorites. Jesus, when he, one of the first times he shows up, he's older now, he's 30 years old, and he shows up at one of those temples, and it says, as was his custom. The gift came and was unwrapped to tell the good news. What's the good news? The good news is this. In Luke chapter four, Jesus shows up in the temple, and, and it says, as was his custom. So now they're not surprised that he's there, because this is what he does. They hand him the scrolls, and they're like, he's a good talker. You talk. And they hand him the scrolls, and he opens it up. Jesus opens it up, and he opens it up to Isaiah. And he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. That means he's, he's painted me. He's chosen me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal those who are brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty all those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now that's a scripture they had heard hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. They had heard that prophecy. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to tell you, you don't gotta be broke no more. You don't gotta be poor no more. You don't gotta live in chains no more. You don't gotta live that way no more. And they had heard it so many times, they're probably sitting there going, I wonder what time the Vikings play. You know, this is, and then he says something really crazy. He closes the book and he says, this day, that scripture is fulfilled in your eyes and in your ears. You know what he was saying? He's crazy. He is crazy, full of the Holy Ghost. And he said, I'm here. And you know what? They were so excited. They said, let's call this a great day. No. They, they, the throngs took him and they brought him up to a cliff and they wanted to throw him off a cliff. Oh, they have a problem with recognition and timing, don't they? But, but to you and me, the unwrapped gift, the baby born in a manger, and I love Christmas. I love what it represents. I love the idea that on Christmas Eve, I can sing Silent Night, but I'm looking at that baby, and I'm recognizing that that baby grew up, and that baby had a mission, and that mission was to bring freedom into my life. He brought good news of great joy to who? All people you meet. Oh, I thank you, Father God, for unwrapping the gift. I thank you for that, that, that word made flesh who dwelt among us. What's the next thing he came to do? To seek and save that which was lost. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. I think, I think the power of this is only found truly in the story of Christ himself. What do I mean by that? I mean this. If we don't understand, first of all, that we qualify as lost, every single one of us, then we never re receive the gift by faith and trust. It's impossible. Because first I have to understand, I'm lost. 
I'm still bound by the sin that was introduced in Genesis. I'm not born again. I don't have a new spirit in me. And if I recognize that that's me, I can then receive the greatest gift that was ever given to us, the gift of eternal life. How do I see it in Jesus' life? I don't know. He starts doing things like hanging out with the sinners at parties. One of the first ones he calls is a tax collector. He's hanging out with people that they don't think he should be hanging out with. He's going places they don't think he should be going. He's talking to people that they don't talk to. Think about that for a minute. Why, why did the religious leaders want to throw him off a cliff when he said, that's me? Because he was disrupting everything that they were. And thank God he was doing that. But to them, that was a threat. He came to seek and save that which was lost. That's why he hung out with ladies who were prostitutes when he met them. They weren't prostitutes when he, when he met them, after he met them. But when he met them, they were. And he didn't run away from them. He ran towards them. If you want to find out what it means to seek and save that which is lost, just look at his life. Just do it yourself. Let the Holy Spirit show you. The other thing I wrote down here when I was praying for us is this. I think it's incumbent on us to, to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit when we're out there. Because if he came to seek and save that which was lost, he's going to use us to do that now. And we better be real sensitive to the idea that God's going to sometimes put us around people and among people and alongside people who need Jesus. And that won't look like what we always think it looks like. That's very uncomfortable, is it not? can be. It can be. But Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. When the gift was unwrapped, one of his primary purposes was to go to the people who needed a physician. And that's what he told them when they said, why are you hanging out with those people? Why are you hanging out with them? And he said, hey, 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 hey. Sick people need a doctor. I'm the great physician. I've come to bring healing and freedom and life to anyone who would believe. And it's good news of great joy. And then the third one, the last one, he came to destroy the work of the devil. Many of the songs that we sing at Christmas time, actually, I kind of chuckle. What does the in excelsis Deo mean? Somebody? I don't, it's okay. It's not, a, I didn't mean to, it's Latin. Okay, that helps. I don't know. I, was, I didn't mean that to be a test. I apologize. But sometimes in those songs, there's these words, and they are very powerful. They are so powerful. The words that we can sing, even the simple Christmas songs, they talk about his image is now on us because we believe. Imagio Deo. We were made in the image of God. When we put our faith and our believing in this gift that came to earth, he stamped his image. His new life came on the inside of me. I no longer am a slave. I no longer have to live in fear. I no longer have to live in sickness or in death. And you know what? Even death itself. Do you know that death has no sting for me now? 
And, and death does not have to, now death hurts. Death is separation. Death, death means they're not with us. But I got news. Jesus Christ came to remove the sting of death because if you put your faith in God, you have eternal life. And that's not just on this earth. You have life on this earth. But when you leave this earth, you can be with God forever. That was the good news of Jesus Christ that came down to everyone who would believe. But he came to destroy the work of the devil. Jesus said it. I'll read it to you out Hebrews. It says, this was looking back, it says, inasmuch then as children have partaken of the flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through his death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So when you celebrate, here's my challenge to you, when you celebrate the gift, when you celebrate Christmas, remember, who is he? And what did he come for? And I thank God that one day he was born of a virgin in a town called Bethlehem. But I'm more thankful that the gift, I, I wrote this down in my notes, every gift has a purpose. Every gift has a purpose. And I thank God that the gift lived out his purpose. For three and a half years he ministered on this earth and he tried to show us everything he could about our father. There was a part where the, the scholars said, don't say that again. And he said, listen, I, I can't lie to you. I know God. I talk to God, I've seen God, and if I tell you anything else, I'd be a liar. And once again, they wanted to destroy him for even saying that. Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil, and he did just that. Today I'm gonna to give you an opportunity because maybe you don't have faith in Christ. Maybe, maybe what I speak to you about is foreign to you because you've heard about Christmas and you think it's cute, but here today you got problems, you got real life, and I got news for you. I serve a real God, and he is alive, and he is living, and his Holy Spirit is here, and he's present, and he wants to work in your life. He wants to give you this thing called eternal life. But he, he, well, he doesn't wanna stop there, church. He wants so much more for you. After you receive his life, he wants to give you purpose. He already gave you gifts, and those gifts have a purpose. And God wants to teach you what that means to live that kind of a life. And I, I think of the disciples. The disciples said this. Jesus sent them out, just like you and me. You know, Jesus sent them out. And he said, you go tell now. Just like he sent you and me. You know that's our job now is to go tell people this story. And he sent them out, 70 of them. And they came back to Jesus and he said, how'd it go? And they said, it was crazy. We were casting out devils. People were getting healed. It was awesome. And Jesus looked at him and he said, oh, that's good. That's good that you rejoice over the fact that I, I you know, you have authority that I gave you over the devil, and you have authority, and he has destroyed the devil. But he said something crazy that day that I want you to hear. It's really good that you do that. Now, if you haven't done that or you don't do that, start learning what that means to do that in your life to the people that God has sent you to. Tell them the good news of Jesus. Tell them they don't have to be sick no more. Tell them they don't have to be broke no more. Tell them they don't have to live in bondage anymore. And then let them receive Christ. But here's the thing. He said, it's good that you do all that and the devils obey you. But he said, you need to rejoice over this. Here's what we rejoice over. Oh, I pray that this is you today. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And Father, I do my best. Father, to tell of the good news of Jesus Christ. And God, as we enter into this Christmas season, even this week, Father, I pray that we're not focused on the things that the world is focused on. 
Father, I pray that your believers, Father, that we're focused on the gift of Jesus Christ, that he came to this earth. There was always a plan, and it always had purpose. And God, I thank you that we can celebrate that gift. But God, I thank you more for the purpose behind the gift. I thank you, Father, that as believers, we can celebrate the redemption and the life that Jesus Christ gave to us. But God, I pray that we also would take advantage of sharing that with our neighbors and with our friends because God, this world is hurting. God, you know in central Minnesota who's out there and who's hurting right now. God, they have real problems, real problems, God. But Father, I thank you that you're the solution to those problems. God, I thank you that you are the one who brings answers into the hearts of men and women. And God, I thank you that you've anointed us to now tell the good news of Jesus Christ. And Father, during this Christmas season, let us be the ones full of joy. Let us be the ones happy. Let us be the ones rejoicing because Jesus Christ lives in us. God, I also pray that we would not just keep that to ourselves, but God, we would give that to the people around us. And that by faith in you, Father, they would receive eternal life. And if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I don't know him. I don't know him like that. I've never put my faith in him. I've heard about him all my life, but I need to receive a Jesus that's alive who will bring freedom into my life. I need by the power of the Holy Spirit to receive this life of which you speak, and I will put my faith in him. Whether you're online or in this room, if you're online, just let him know. I want to receive Christ today. If you're in this room and you want me to pray with you to receive this gift, I want you to raise your hand, and I will pray a simple prayer. This is free. Don't let it go today. Today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you have not received Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you. Today is the day of salvation. You don't know. We're not promised tomorrow. Maybe you're here today and you're hurting. You're a believer, but you're hurting. There's things going on in your life and you don't know what the answer is. I want to pray with you today that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would begin to recognize the gift of God and the Holy Spirit in your life and that those answers would begin to become apparent even today. If that's you today, raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see hands going up. Listen, today is the day of freedom. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you receive. I want those of you who lifted your hand, I want you to just begin, lift up your hands. I want all this place, lift up your hands to God. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you that you see us. And God, before there was ever a problem in our lives, Father, you had the solution. Just like Jesus Christ was always the answer, the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world. Father, I thank you that you know us intimately. And for every person, Father, that raised their hand, every person that lifted it up, God, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, they would latch on to the promise of Jesus Christ. That, Father, through Jesus Christ and the wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of that gift, that, Father God, they would begin to recognize the freedom that comes, that they would grab hold of that freedom today by the power of the Holy Spirit and they would begin to live that life. Father, I thank you that those, Father God, who were broke can say, I'm not broke no more. Father, whether they have money or not makes no difference. God, I thank you that there can be a poor man in this room who's wealthier than anyone else in this room because of the Spirit of God and the life in Christ in him. If you're here today and you struggle with addiction, I want you to stand up. Hallelujah. If you struggle with addiction, stand up. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you. Father God, I thank you. Don't be afraid. Now is the day. Today's 
today's the day to receive your freedom. If you struggle with any kind of addiction, I want you to stand up because I'm going to pray for you. The power of the Holy Spirit is present to remove burdens and destroy yokes. Hallelujah. Father, you see them. Father, you see them. Everybody else, keep your eyes closed. Keep your hands raised up to God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come down into this place. Father, I pray that you would bring into the hearts and minds of the men and women. Father, they're putting this thing before you. They're laying their heart at the cross today. And Father God, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, addiction is broken in their life. I speak the life of Jesus Christ over them. Father, I thank you that they are not who they used to be. Father, I thank you that by the power of Jesus Christ, that name, that God, you freed them now. I hear the chains falling from their lives. If that's you, I want you, as you leave this place today, I want you to say I'm free. As a matter of fact, church, I want you to say this. Say this with me. Say, I'm free. Oh, I want you to say it again. I want you to stand up. Stand up, church. Stand up. I want you to say it. I want you to say it like you mean it. I want you to, on the count of three, we're going to shout, I'm free. One, two, three. Okay, you almost got it. Ready? Are you ready to rejoice? Because listen, when Jesus touched someone's life, they were never the same. They went walking and leaping and praising God. When you leave this place, I want you to know that the power of the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And he didn't come into you to give you any bondage or to give you rules. He came to give you life and life abundantly. So we're going to do this one more time. As a matter of fact, if you're so inclined, I want you to shout it. And then, and ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? I want you to say I'm free. I want you to believe it in your heart. And I want you to say it with your mouth. Ah, three, one, two, three. Hallelujah. Listen, church, I want you to rejoice. Now this is going to be a challenge for some of you. I want you to start to shout, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we rejoice. Father, we rejoice. We rejoice over what you did in Bethlehem. We rejoice over the virgin birth. Father, we rejoice. Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I receive what the Holy Spirit has given in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you were hesitant. I got news for you. Don't be hesitant with God. You might be hesitant with man, but don't be hesitant with God. Hallelujah. If you want to receive everything that God has for you, it's time to let go. I'm looking at a gentleman. He's a little bit older than me, I hope. My brother right there. Some of you, listen, he said, yeah, I think you, I think I am. Sometimes, as we get a little older, and I'm one of those now too, we start to recognize the things that are unimportant that we used to think were important. And all of a sudden, as we get older, we begin to recognize that doesn't matter as much as it used to because we start to see a little bit of time passing and growing. And if I could say anything to you today, young people, grab hold of the things of God. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Grab hold of it now. All right, we're done. Hallelujah. I'm going to let you go. Now, wait one more time. On three. I'm free. Ready? One, two, three. Ah!